0: Welcome to A Brodacious Life. This is a show dedicated to the idea that all people from any background can design a life worth living. It all starts by organizing your life with the five F's. Faith, family, freedom, finance, and fun. We call this A Brodacious Life. Are you ready to design your best life, your brodacious life? If so, then this is the show for you.
1: What's going on, Squad? This is Jonathan. Of course, we have our good friend Dr. J and Frosty Banks with us today. So this is an episode that is actually a mini bit of multiple episodes that go over about a five-hour recording. We got really into it. Frosty Banks is literally like family to us. He's my 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 I've always called him my brother from another mother. He is just He's been one of my best friends since 2005 when we met in culinary school, and uh, he and I have just stuck together like glue. So the content was just too much, so we're going to break it down. We just really got into it because Thanksgiving is all about food and family and faith, and there's just so much that goes into it. So we wanted to kind of break this content down. So as you listen in, know that there's multiple parts to this conversation. No, we're not repeating the same information over and over again. Thank you for listening in. And thanks for hanging out with myself, Dr. J and our good friend, Frosty Banks.
0: Some notes on this. Hey, what you guys talked about knives? So, you know, I'm I'm not a knifer. Is that like a gamer? I'm not a knifer. What's the best knife for me to get if I really want to just flex some knife skills, but also maybe not chop off my finger on the first time? Like, can you do that game? Or do you, I, I used to be able to do that really well.
1: Now, granted, that was way back in my line cook days, and I was doing some other things that I'm not very proud of. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I could do that game really well. That was a, a nightly game at a restaurant that I worked at. That was a that was a that is a real thing. And you've not had to uh, had to worry until you've really had to have that hand grabbed by somebody that you know is high on something on the line on the on the line with you, and they grab your hand. You slap it down. You spread those fingers open as wide as you can. Like, shout out to Ben Truitt. I'm still terrified of that guy.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 um, I want to say okay it's really hard to find because you have to, it's two inches that most people not understand. Some people, they're really good with eight inch, eight inches or Giggity. 10 inches. Giggity. And it also have to deal with the handle as well as the knife. There are different types of knives that cost about from $10 to up to like $10,000. But it's once you feel it, like for me, I'm really good with eight inches, and how that I'm able to grip on the handle, and able to get it, and it just have like a nice good stroke motion on it. Some people like the Japanese styles nice where it's just have like it's just straight flat and go from there. Oh, yeah. Everything's. Yeah. You
1: still there, Doctor J? Still, I'm still here. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No. No. Uh, so for me, I think I'm kind of in the same boat. It kind of depends on you know, your style. So I have, um, uh, as far as my professional set, I've got three different types. So, uh, I have my woostoffs I have a eight inch and a 10 inch, and then a boning knife that I carry there. Then there is a, <laughs> if those on the video, for those who are on YouTube, my son, Tanner has joined me in here. Um, and then I have a Japanese or shun knife, uh, those are my favorites. I love my shuns. Those are the ones that I, I really do most of my day-to-day stuff with. I really like my shuns. And then I do have two knives from a brand called Majini. They're based out of Atlanta. They are handcrafted knives. And these knives mm. are like $1,500 a pop. They, I'm terrified to bring that thing with me because if anybody ever finds out about them, how expensive they are, I'm worried about them being stolen. So I kind of keep them at home. But they are really cool. You can go to their Instagram um, on Bajime, M-A-J-I-M-E, knives. And they're absolutely incredible. They're really beautiful knives. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're just really cool to look
0: at.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you I have
0: any Well, I was going to tell you about my knife. I've got – it's it's uh, red-plated silver, but it's uh, you get it at Target. It's called a Swiss Army knife. And uh the good news about my knife is is it also has a set of pliers, a can opener, uh, a pocket knife, and it has a screwdriver, which is pretty cool. And there's one I've got that you can even pop out a pair of tweezers. So again, it's a really nice knife. <laughs> and uh, I just I want to throw that out there for, for all of our listeners. It's, Swiss Army knife. You can Google that as well. And it will pop up. There's also you'd be
1: surprised, one of my favorite cheap knives to get actually is like the uh if you go into your local Asian Mart, they have these, uh, they have little different knives that they have. And it's like a wooden handle. Some of it's very stereotypical, but one mm-hmm. of them is like a big butcher block uh, or big uh, butcher uh, cleaver. I really like that doing uh, vegetables with that because that big side paddle on that thing almost acts mm-hmm. as a scoop. So I really liked it. That's technically made, I think, for using for like duck and stuff like that because it can cleave through that meat. I like chopping vegetables with it because it acts as almost like a paddle to to paddle things up and put it over to where I need them to go.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, look, I we talked about this uh, last week, but I, I've never had a turkey that's good. I mean, just going to tell you straight up. I don't think there's such thing as a good turkey. They're all extremely d- dry. If there's any flavor that gets in it, it's in like the top micro inch of the turkey. And then by the time you've had a big slice, because it's a big old nasty bird, there's nothing in it that's good. So, I mean, do y'all have any advice on how you cook a good turkey? Because I'm convinced that there's
2: just no such good thing. I say um, one, one is the brine. Instead of doing 24, make sure you do like 18 Um, and then add a little bit extra, um, marinade after you do. And then are you stuffing? Because if you're not stuffing the turkey, of course, then it's going to be dry. And then you have to understand, okay, what else are you going to be adding them to it afterwards? Because if you do like a dry rub, a smoke kind of turkey, then yeah. But when you have extra, like, um, what is it? Turducken? When you put the yeah, the, um, duck inside the chicken inside of, inside of the
1: duck inside of the quail, um,
2: yeah, like can't we have you ever had a quail inside of a turkey? Yeah, that is a game changer to me. And you're doing all the proper steps, and then it's just oh, it's very succulent. Yeah. It's like you don't need nothing after that. You can just give me that. I can have that for a whole month. And I'd be just be satisfied. <laughs> I feel like I'd be having like a cigarette or some. <laughs> yeah. hey hey but it's i'm just curious to see where you get it from yeah that's that's just my main concern because any person be like put in the oven here or there or are, are they even trying to baste it do they make any um rivets inside of them and so you can add water you know every um Couple like couple of minutes, sometimes five to ten minutes at a time when you're basing it, are you allowing the juices to actually get inside of it? And so when it does come out and when it does sit afterwards, when you open it, when you see the steam and it goes up, you can just put your hand over it and let the steam come right back down to retract it. Um, so who's doing the turkey? Or you to have the um, the Florida Gators, sorry, um, a game syndrome of a um, oh of a turkey. Oh,
1: my God. All right, let's get off this. I know where he's going with this. He's about to bash <laughs> my Florida Gators not Georgia loss.
2: So <laughs> hey, I know where it's coming. Georgia is nine and oh. I don't know why they keep on playing with this. Uh, oh who, yeah, You know, defending God. national chance. I just want to throw folks. that in there. The shooter's like, Georgia prey. folks.
1: So I think uh, turkeys, to, to be dry, kind of comes down to a couple different things. A lot of people don't understand that turkey is naturally a low-fat thing. So you actually need to add fat into that turkey. So how do you do that? So there's uh, your skin that's up there on that turkey. Um, you can actually make a little slit right there across that top. Pack it full of butter. Trust me. Pack it full of butter. Pack it, pack it full of butter. Put in a whole bunch of fresh herbs down in there. You'll thank me. The inside of that carcass I'm always just cramming celery, onions, carrots. I'm constantly putting stuff in there. That's going to be my base for my sauce anyways, to add more flavor to my sauce. Um, and then the next big part of that is once you bake it, you know, there's a couple of different ways to do it. I like to slow cook mine just a little bit, and then I might brown it at the end or vice versa. I don't normally hold one temp all the way through. Uh, I just don't see that that works. So when I'm at my lower temp, I might add a hot water bath down in the bottom. And then, of course, Ooh. I'm kind of adding um, the drippings. I'm kind of basting that back up on top. I might even get some bacon. And especially if it's not one of my turkeys that I've grown, I might slap a couple, you know, a little couple, you know, shingle it across the top. And again, that's just going to go into my gravy uh, after I'm done making the turkey. So and then the last part of this is, you know, I don't necessarily cook the turkey to cut out in front of everybody. I'm, I'm kind of weird in that way. I know a lot of people who do it like that, and that's fine. I will normally cut it the day before as weird as this might be to a lot of people and I'll trim it. Cause I'm going to let it rest. What is most important about any piece of meat is that you let it rest. The tendency is, and you see it every time in the sitcoms and everywhere you go, they grab that thing out. They put it right on the table and the man of the house just goes right in and he saws it and he's man of the house and he's awesome. No, you just dried out that bird. That bird has got to sit for a minimum of an hour a minimum of an hour before you touch it. Don't even look at it. Just get it out, put it over, maybe put something over the top of it. So you're not tempted to pull on a piece of skin or anything like that. Don't touch it for an hour. And the last part of that is also that you need to, um, you're pulling it out probably at too late of a temperature. You're using that little thermometer thing that they have started adding to turkeys to help, you know, um, Susie homemaker at home, not overcook that bird or burn the bird, I should say. There's that little thing that pops up, and that's supposed to let you know when it's done. Well, That thing doesn't pop up until 175, 180, which for the turkey companies, that's perfect because they let you know that you're not going to get salmonella, that that you have not over, you've not undercooked the bird. The problem is, is turkey's done cooking at 165, and the way the molecular, uh, the molecular structure of a turkey works or any piece of meat, the when we're cooking, it's cooking is is energy anytime we add heat it's energy and what that energy is doing is is, it's exciting all the different cells of that turkey so it's very important that we're taking it to the right temperature and the right movement and then basically what we're wanting to do is bring that to 160 because even when it goes to 160 to 162 that stuff is still moving so much and so fast it's going to continue to cook for another three to five degrees so by pulling it at 162 To 160, I'm actually guaranteeing that I'm still going to have juice inside of my turkey. And then, again, I pull it out the day before. I let it rest. I slice it. And then I grab all those turkey bones, and I add it to those turkey necks and gizzards and the bacon trimmings and all the insides of that. I pour over into another pot, and that's when I start making my gravy. That's me, though.
2: Gotcha. Have you ever had um, turkey that's wrapped all over bacon?
1: I did it one year for uh, Thanksgiving. And I thought it was good. I got a lot of high fives at how awesome it was, but for the traditionalist in the family, because again, there's like 50 people there and the food's been done the same way every single time for, since I was 36, you know, or 36 years ago, since I was a newborn. So people didn't quite appreciate my artistic expression, if you will, as a culinary student, and uh, I was kind of banned from doing the turkey for a while. Everybody liked it, but they didn't like change. They want it done the same way that they've always had it.
2: I want to try um, pork belly fat stuffed inside the turkey. Oh, yeah, that's good. That. I never had that, but I want to try.
1: There's also a product out there called. Uh, you can find uh, smoked wagyu fat. It's you yeah. know it's really it's not expensive at all. You can find it on Amazon. And yeah, use smoked wagyu fat or duck fat. Add some succulents to it. Laugh
0: of that in there. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, do you guys, are y'all like in team chopped eggs in gravy or no?
1: I find chopped eggs in my gravy to be weird. I, I, I never. You've never had that? I've, I've seen it. It's, it's always random. I don't know if it's like a Mississippi and Alabama thing, but that, that actually happens here and it is disgusting. I do not like chopped eggs. Leave my eggs for the, uh, the, the deviled eggs. That's where the eggs belong. They don't belong in the gravy
2: or egg salad
0: or egg salad. Never, Mm -hmm. never been into egg salad myself. Never, never found an egg salad I liked. Mm -hmm. Hey, so we focus a lot on hot foods today, which is good. But I mean, let's talk about cold food foods. I know, Jonathan, your favorite cold food is the pears with the cheese and a little bit (laughs) of uh, ricotta (laughs) on top of it, uh, clearly. Just
1: slap blue cheese on it, too, while you're at it. Uh, and some ranch, but um uh, <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> I hope you like that snippet from our show. Again, this is going to be a multiple series, uh, basically mini episodes that go along with a greater conversation. So please feel free to reach in and there's going to be a part two to this coming up or part three, part four, part five, how many ever it's going to be to get all the content out before Thanksgiving. So please, please, please listen in. We hope that you enjoy and we're inviting you back in, of course, to listen in on A
0: Brodacious Life. Thank you for listening to today's episode of A Brodacious Life. We hope that you will like and subscribe to this show on whatever platform that you are listening to. Sign up for our newsletter at abrodaciouslife.com and follow us on Instagram. More importantly, we hope that you spend your day with faith, family, freedom, finance, and fun, and live brodaciously.